0: Hello, and welcome to the Get French Football News show. If you're one of those people who thinks Ligue 1 is not competitive enough to condition Paris Saint-Germain for Champions League football, I hope you watched the incredible three-all draw between PSG and Monaco on Sunday evening. Neymar's brilliance was not enough to overwhelm Robert Moreno's revived Monaco, and it turns out that playing the Fantastic Four can have its risks defensively. Uh, But if you missed it, don't worry. They're playing each other again on Wednesday, Meanwhile, Kevin Strutman's late winner in a brutal Rennes versus Marseille match brought the gap with second place down to five points. Lyon and their comical mistakes almost threw away two points, despite a pretty good performance overall, actually. There's seven goals in Toulouse and a lot more stories to talk about today. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. I could probably go on about that PSG Monaco match for an hour all by myself. But I do have a panel to share that pleasure with here with me today. First of all, Muhammad Ali. Hi Mo. Hello. Uh, tell me, what's the status on your alleged title race?
1: Um, well, it's probably been the closest it's ever been for for a long while, and um, <laughs> hopefully it will ignite on Wednesday when Monaco inevitably uh, put PSG to the wayside. So fingers crossed for that one.
0: Yes. Uh, despite the five-point gap. PSG do have that game in hand, which could still change a little bit before Marseille's match, as you say. Uh, We have a special guest with us today as well, in Zach Lowy. Uh, Zach writes for a number of outlets as a freelance writer, uh, including one he co-created called Breaking the Lines. Do you want to tell us about that, Zach?
2: Yeah, um, I co-founded Breaking Lines with uh, my co-founder, Thomas Anderson, a few years back. And we're really excited for this year. We've got a number of projects lined up and uh, we both know that it's going to be the biggest year of Breaking Lines. So really excited to share a few of those uh, projects that are in the works with you and uh, the rest of my followers um, and also very keen to finally be on the show.
0: It's great to have you on. Uh, Zach also wrote the Hussem Awach profile for the right. GFN 100, to which... All of us here and, and all of us at GFFN contributed as well. It's the 100 best players in France. So be sure to check that out if, if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, speaking of which, Zach, w- will you tell us very quickly You know, if you have a favorite team in France?
2: Um, I don't really have a favorite team in France. That's part of the reason actually why I like watching Ligue 1 so much. It's that I can kind of watch it as an impartial observer um but i do watch for a lot of certain players uh you know if i see a player like ibrahim sangare or eduardo camavinga is starting i will make sure to tune in just because i love watching those players and that's also one of the reasons why ligue 1 is probably my favorite league to watch it's that uh there are just so many elite youngsters on display every single weekend. uh and honestly for for anybody who says that it's a farmers league you you should just read the gffn top 100 i mean a lot of people would pay good money for those kinds of profiles that are on display and and you've got it there for free so you know take advantage of that incredible resource and if i was you i I would read every single uh profile
0: uh there you have it that's a great advertisement thanks uh, and finally with us, Philippe Bargiel. Hi, Philippe. Hi. So, as is becoming customary, let's begin with the match you were lucky enough to attend, the uh, 3-3 draw between PSG and Monaco. Philippe, could you have asked for anything more than what you got during that spectacle? Yes. <laughs> A PSG win, is this what you're going to yeah. tell me? Oh, okay. Um,
3: win would have been nice. Uh, first half was uh, was very good. Um, well, I said that off, off uh, offline. Uh, I actually missed the first ten minutes because of the train strikes. Um, mm. So Neymar's first from a Virati pass, uh, a very good pass, and uh, then the Z- Z- equalising goal from uh, Gelson Martins. It was uh, yeah, it was. You know, it, for for a half that had five goals, I, I didn't find it uh, uh, as hectic uh, as uh, you may you may think it was, but it was very, um, Monaco was very organized, they were really in it, uh, in our faces, so to speak. And that was very, mm-hmm. that was quite, quite nice to see because most of the time you go to a PSG game, just, uh, the opponents just roll over and lose 4-0, which is not really as enjoyable as it as it sounds week in week, in, week out. Um, very the, the big talking point, basically, uh, especially after the game, and uh, what was what was saying on canetus was that four four two is too dangerous, and everybody was thinking about Dortmund while watching this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if uh, all our if you if you caught it, um, our all that uh, our, our our listeners uh, are aware, but to, to Thomas Tuchel was uh, was. Asked a question about four four two. Uh, is it going to be? Is it going to be the uh, the, the, uh, the formation? And he got a little bit annoyed. He said, uh, "No, that's that's just uh, you you in you you meaning the media. That's just you saying that. I haven't been using it for a very long time, which is true because the last time we didn't play four four two was against not months ago. We played terribly, and mm-hmm. uh, now we have a formation that is extremely attacking, but." Uh, uh, um, our work rate down the wings is um, uh, is terrible, and uh, Monaco didn't even, uh, shall we say, um, work on that, on in in the side. So it could have been much worse. And and basically, what was very annoying is that Tuchel didn't make most of the substitutes until 10 minutes from time. Which his first substitute was 10 minutes from time, a double substitution. Uh, Cavani came on for Icardi, Icardi who uh, wasn't was nowhere to be seen. But you know that's usually the case. And then he pops up with a goal. Uh, Mbappe didn't score; he probably should have. That's one of the games we expect him to score against. Um, and uh, Di Maria was not very good. So the only one who actually turned up was Neymar. So this is all quite worrying. And and the whole debate today in France was uh, should Tuchel keep the 4-4-2 for the game at Monaco on Wednesday, and should Tuchel play 4-4-2 uh, at Dortmund? In a month, and that's that's a big question.
0: Yeah, and, and
3: uh, he just doesn't get much chances against quite a size like uh, the one that showed up last night. I, I honestly didn't expect uh, uh, that type of game. I honestly expected us to win, uh, shall we we one or something like that. It just it just wasn't. I don't know. It was just uh, it was just much much better than I expected. Monaco were, were much better than I expected. So yeah, I could, you know, you know, things things need to things need to change. I think we need to talk about the formation. I need to think. I think we need to talk about what uh, what Tuchel has to have to do. Not necessarily four three three. So yeah, but I, I'm I'm a, it, in in many ways.
0: Last night was quite worrying, if you ask me. Well, that Tohoh interview that you mentioned was very interesting and. Uh, He got quite annoyed against the journalist, but I thought he made some good points. He did say that, you know, he had never said that he would necessarily use the 4-4-2 against Dortmund and that the tactical approach varies from match to match, which is a logical uh, thing. um, But the question that does get raised, I thought, was, um, and Mo, let me ask you this, why did he maintain... The 4-4-2 throughout last night, even though it was clear from the first 20 minutes and that Monaco was breaking through it.
1: That's a hard question. I don't know whether it was um, I'd probably desire just to see the match through as it is, because obviously they do have the firepower and the movement was pretty good between the front four, um, in you know the, in the chances they created and and uh, sort of the the presence they had. Um, but it's clear, you know, it's not a balanced side like you know in the way that they had. Um, in the way that they, you know, came came up last night. Um, and I don't know whether it was his sort of inability to tactically see and discover a plan B, but it also may be a desire just to keep the happiness of the front four. There was no way that he was going to alter, um, you know, his side by taking <laughs> off a key player um, that early during the game just to shore up. A PSG were at home. They were sort of on one hand dominant, um, at the beginning of the game, especially uh, in the offensive positions, did you really think that he would make the bold move at half time to haul off at least one of the Fab Four um, and sort of shore up the midfield? I couldn't see that happening. Although maybe he re- had realised and thought, you know, in a situation that presented itself, maybe PSG would have actually seen off Monaco. And the Monaco under uh, Leonardo Jardin that we saw in the first half of the season uh, were very timid, were very sort of, uh, you know, offered little, uh, you know, they did, they did grab goals, but they were hardly sort of a a powerful side, uh, offensively minded, and were easy to break apart. Um, you know, obviously they, under the new manager bounce, uh, they provided a steely response to Paris last night um, in, in in coming to the park to play. Um, and I think all things considered, I don't think uh, Tufoukou really had sort of the the, the nerve to... To sort of alter his side and that is a criticism that you know whether he likes it or not in, the, in as we saw in the post-match interview mm-hmm. uh, that he's got he's got a face
0: yeah uh, as I, I do think there's going to be tensions there because even though his reasoning was fair in front of the press we also saw during the match he was in discussion with Thiago Silva who you know obviously they had some kind of disagreement uh, w- which is completely loud as well but they had different ideas of how it should be played after the match, Neymar also came out to say that he thought PSG could play four-four-two against Dortmund. Which um, I mean, I understand that he wants that because it's probably more fun for him to play with the other three at the same at once, right? But seeing the way that he defended on some occasion yesterday, you that would be quite worrying. Um, Mo, you did mention as well how much Monaco had changed from from Jardim's uh, team just a few weeks ago. Zach, we had a question specifically for you off of Twitter from at2absolutely, who was asking you, how do you see Robert Moreno's career at Monaco? What do you think has changed in Monaco and, and what can we expect of him as a coach?
2: Yeah, I was happy for Moreno when he got the position. I mean, he did a good job with Spain and to uh, basically be forced out after doing such a good job as an assistant. And uh, the the senior manager it did sort of leave a bad taste in my mouth so I'm glad that he landed on his feet and yeah this is a very promising start to go out uh against PSG and to uh put out a performance like that very promising I do think that in order to uh get top three which this Monaco team is certainly capable of they do need some uh reinforcements in January but overall it was very promising, and I think that while Jardine this season got this Monaco side to click, uh, it was far too hot and cold. Whereas Moreno actually has the potential to uh, connect with a lot of the youngsters that Jardine froze out and get a uh, get an ideal balance going.
0: Uh, and from Monaco's perspective, still. Keta Balde spoke during the match, and even at halftime, he said it as well, about uh, Monaco's own Fantastic Four, which he defined as uh, himself, Jelson Martins, Wissam Ben Yedder, and Islam Slimani, all of whom, they didn't all start, but they all played yesterday for a sizable bit of the match and contributed offensively. Uh, especially Jelson Martins, Mo, what, what, what did you make of his match?
1: I thought he had a quite interesting match. He popped up in all the right spaces. Um, he, you know, I think we stepped up pretty well on the wing, um, feeding through um, uh, Benyeder and uh, and Baldy through the middle. Because um, yeah, I think he's, he's had the a bit, you know, reputation of being a bit wasteful. Um, and when I say mm-hmm. a bit wasteful, very wasteful, <laughs> um, even in what had been a a free scoring Monaco side early on in the season. Um, where they've relied mainly on sort of the prowess and movement of of the of the two front uh, forwards, uh, Benya Uh But last night, he proved that he is capable um, of sort of being very productive in in, in a big game. And, and I'm really interested to see what Moreno um, has for him because you know, he's obviously very talented. He's able to um, mm. you know really tear up defenses. Um, and you know it, it, it just it would be interesting for me just to see how consistent. Uh, he'll be in the remaining uh, games of the season, because obviously, if they are able to, you know, at least deliver any sort of riposte to, uh, you know, create their own Fab Four, um, for one of the where alongside Gulliver and um, Balde and Benede, obviously, I <coughs> don't know if Slimani will go or not, uh, if they're able to, to mm. at least uh, bring the level um, of those four players, uh, Martins will obviously be a very big component of that, and then, who knows how far they will go, so, you know, It was a good start last night, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops on Wednesday.
0: Hmm. Did anyone think that Monaco? So, so for anyone who missed the game, PSG scored after two minutes. Neymar. Five minutes later, Monaco score. uh, uh, Was it no? It was Balde, or was it Martins or Balde the first one? Martins. Martins. Yes. Um, But he scored just after Navas had absolutely smashed into Ben Yedder and it would have yeah. been a red card yeah. if they had it played on and scored. He <laughs> got away with that one. Yeah does anyone think that Monaco would have been better off taking a red card and a penalty I guess than, than a goal in that situation?
1: For sure but well, obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah <laughs> well I mean yeah. would,
3: would, would they have been? I mean first of all when Monaco have, have scored so many goals uh, had we uh, played less offensively, because with Navas getting sent off, we had to replace a player to bring Sergio Rico on, and we wouldn't be as, uh, shall we say, adventurous up front, and that would have that would have changed well the whole the whole game plan because essentially what Monaco did was being very very good at pressing and and uh, and defending quite well and being extremely quick on the counter. That
0: goes out the window if we're down to ten men. I'm not sure. So, yeah, interesting, so somehow it would have because as, as you say, presumably would have been one of the four up front to be subbed off for Sergio Rico had that happened, which something means that. yeah, which means that,
1: <laughs> Where they would come off if yeah. were entirely
0: well, it'd be interesting to see them play in a in a three two four or something like that, but <laughs> um, yeah, so in a way, p s g were could have played better with a red card, I mean that's an interesting idea um, but I, I have had kind of theories like that before that sometimes you play better without your best players on. Uh, I was actually
3: quite relieved that the chance to make it three for Monaco were, came to Keita because because I really can't finish and I'm pretty sure had that been for any one of the fantastic four uh, of, uh, of Monaco uh, uh, it would have been 3-1 and we would have had much uh, a much rougher time even though mm-hmm. it is it was a, a brilliant save from Kayla Navas but so uh, it's a good thing Balde can't finish
0: yeah that was the uh, for him. It, it was the 2v1 attack by Monaco where yeah Ben, Yard- ben and Balde but what I liked there was that Thiago Silva was um he looked so sure of himself in his positioning he was alone against these two guys and yeah. you know he, he just seemed confident that he knew how to stop it I mean, he didn't stop it himself, but he definitely closed the angle in a way. Um, uh, I mean, open question: What would you guys? What formation
3: would you guys play if you were Twoper? What formation would you guys? That was all over Twitter last night. What formation would you guys play if you were Twoper at Monaco on Wednesday?
2: Would you like to go at that one, Zach? I think. I mean, given the given the display uh, yesterday, I think you'd probably have to go with a four-three-three. Um, but personally, if I was a PSG fan, I'd be more concerned about the Dortmund match. Uh, and that—that that is certainly one game that I, I think you have to play 4-3-3, just because 4-4-2, it certainly works in uh, specific, kind of, specific kinds of matches. But I think for matches like Dortmund, I think you've got to go for a uh, 4-3-3. You have to remember that the match that sort of... That was perhaps the defining performance of this PSG team this season was uh, the first play against Real Madrid, in which they played a 4 3 3. They had that, you know, the hard working midfield that uh, partially covered up the flaws of the fullbacks, which I think is is also one of the reasons why the 4 4 2 just doesn't work for certain matches. It's just because, you know, combining the lack of defensive protection from the wingers on the flanks as well as just not having a pretty weak set of fullbacks, I think that that's one of the reasons why I would use a 4-3-3 against Dortmund as well as against Monaco just because in certain matches, uh, that's just what it calls for. That's just what the situation calls for. So I do hope that uh, while Tuchel will obviously stick to his guns in certain scenarios, I hope that he... Uh, isn't so stubborn and decides to switch to a 4-3-3 in matches such as Dortmund and Monaco.
0: And the good news is we'll have a clear indication of that on Wednesday when the two teams play each other <coughs> again. Does uh, this it feels like a second leg, you know, from, from Champions League. <laughs> I, I wonder <laughs> how PSG will if do on the first leg. Exactly. <laughs> It's it's the second leg comes first this time. Um, yeah. Do you guys know that rule? I mean, this is I don't think it's applying here, but you guys know that rule that they have in Legia, where when a match gets postponed to you know into mm-hmm. the transfer window, you can't play with any new signings. Yeah. With regard to when that game should have been played, I think that rule is well. Let me tell you why that rule doesn't work. Because if it were fair, that would mean that. Reims, who's also playing a, a postponed match in the midweek, they would be able to play Remy Houdin, who just signed for Bordeaux, because he was eligible for them for that yeah, match originally, exactly. right? Okay. Um, I don't know who came up with that. It's it's, it's a bit it, stupid if you It ask. makes no sense, yeah. No. But in any case, the thing is, I mean, who who's not eligible today though? Um in this for Monaco PSG, I don't think anyone is, but I was just thinking yeah. of that because last year Monaco had a game exactly like that where you know there are four new signings or whatever weren't allowed to play um which just makes things so complicated for no for no reason um we should all blame the weather That's how the game is <laughs> anyway yeah um anything else on this one from anyone or will we move on um can we talk i mean yeah. uh, uh, General,
3: you know, wondering about you know where this Monaco side is going because they look really exciting. I mean, I know that they were playing defensive and and, and mm. the counter Yedder is lethal, but uh, you know there's there's a huge, huge potential there on the uh, on the top three to, uh, on getting third spots. I mean, we're going to talk about you afterwards. I I suppose you've got Henanard, Lille, Montpellier. They're not. I mean, they're they're good, but they're not that all that. And you know, if Monaco click, if if they play the same, same formation in, in midfield, you know, it could, I mean, they could easily make certain, I think.
1: Oh well, yeah, I agree, because, you know, they've only lost two games since October in the people seem to forget that. Mm. One of them was uh, a sort of rather unfortunate uh, defeat, Sertien, in, in Puel's, um, sort of, the, the Puel era where, you know, they were winning the first couple of games, um, and he sort of, he turned around, and then one very unfortunate defeat to Bordeaux, where Slimani was sent off. But other than that, if you look, um, they've destroyed Lille, and then and then came up to came up to play at the park um, in their last two. While while picking up a couple of other very good results, um, mm-hmm. they're not that far off. Um, no,
4: and
1: one would hope that you know they are a technical, only four points as it stands off of the Champions League. So mm. I, I like I said, and I think we'll speak about this later on because. Um, yeah, especially I think this will be personal when we talk about Lille. Um, it it really goes on to, you know, which team has the more balanced sort of run of form, uh, who I think will end up sealing third. And I think that even though Monaco and Leon are where they are at the moment, um, it will be they are the favorites uh, to grab that third spot. It's just about who, you know, sort of manages see and Monaco really need to improve their away form. Um, obviously, not, notwithstanding yesterday's result, but it's a fantastic start, um, and I think it, you know it'll be down to 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 them and and, and Leon uh, to get the final uh, final spot of the Champions League. Um, with yeah. Monaco,
0: there's also a question of uh, there's squad depth. I mean, they have some very talented players, obviously, with those four, but then also in defence. Okay, Camille Glik had an incredible match against PSG almost scored also he hit the post. We we can say that. But he was really good, but hasn't always been the case this season. And there are concerns. Zach, we actually have another question for you on this from Armand Khan who asks uh what does Monaco need in their squad from the transfer window? Uh he's especially wondering about the defense and defensive midfield.
2: Well yeah I was about to say I think that this Monaco team does have the potential to get top three, but it definitely needs some strong investment in January. Not as uh, crazy and hectic as last year, but certainly uh, to, to a level. I mean, I think that bringing in a defensive midfielder who, could, uh, who can um, provide rest and competition for Bakayoko would be great. Um, I think that Bakayoko has, has definitely gone up a level uh, mm. at Monaco, but he still needs someone to... Where, you know, if he gets injured or suspended, they have someone that can replace him easily. Uh, apart from that, I would also probably bring in a winger who can stretch the defense. Uh, they don't really have anyone with that sort of style besides J- Uh They did, of course, have Onyekuru, but they sent him on loan to Galatasaray. Um, so without Onyekuru, I definitely think that they should bring in someone who can... Uh, perform the same you can stretch a defense and give give, uh, Monaco that same sort of excitement when Jelson either isn't on form or uh, just isn't on or or just isn't fit Uh, apart from that I think definitely the defense uh, should have some investment I think I would probably invest actually in a a left back um, despite the uh, decent performance of Valotore yesterday. I think that he could benefit a lot with some competition. Uh, center back potentially, but you do have to remember it, remember that they just brought in uh, Sarajinja Pavlovic from Partizan. I believe he's he he has um, he he can you know certainly offer some minutes off the bench, or or just as a rotation option for Glick. Um, but, you know, if Glick can build on the performances from yesterday, then they might not, they might not even need to bring in a centre-back. But, yeah, if I, was, if I could pick three priorities, it would be left-back, winger, and defensive midfielder for Monaco this, this, uh, this month.
0: A good left-back is a rare commodity in Ligue 1 these Definitely. days. It's not easy to come by. Uh, let's move on, then, to Rennes-Marseille. One nil win for Marseille with a very late goal from Kevin Strootman. Mo, this kind of felt like a game where both sides were out to hurt each other. Don't don't you think?
1: Um, yeah, I'll concede that. Um, <laughs> normally, I, I feel like Wren have had quite a reputation of being quite an aggressive fight side, but you know, I think Marseille did their bit as well against them mm. um, with a really high number of yellow cards as well. Um, but it was it was it was a you know a really closely fought sort of battle of the trenches sort of style game because given mm. the league positions, uh, you know, both sides, um, ambitions, you know, Ren had they won on Friday would have gone, uh, I think, two points, um, you know, having a two points cap to OM uh, with their game in hand as well would have made things very, very interesting. Um, mm. And Marseille obviously had a very big prize on offer on Friday into really put in daylight between them and the rest. Uh, so you, could, you can understand why, and given OM's record, not only against Ren in, in the last couple of years, um, it's a couple of humiliations, if I recall, uh, both home and away, but also their record against the so-called you know, big teams or the teams of the moment. Um, but this was, you know, this is not a typical Marseille side, this is uh, a Marseille side who who played, you know, who really dig deep um, and and claim... You know, claim what they need to claim. It, it reminds me of um, the 2012 13 season um, under LA Bob, the first season uh, after Deschamps, were had really sold sort of all, all of the best talent um, and yet still ended up finishing second um, in the table, winning 1 nil like you know, very much every week. And I remember it was uh, Mondondo who didn't concede for about two months. Um, and if it, it feels like you know, OM are headed um, into that direction where they're winning games, so it doesn't have to be pretty, it just has to be effective. And they were well rewarded on Friday.
0: Yeah, I like your description there as kind of battle of the trenches because it did feel like a very intense, very interesting match, even though there were very few <laughs> chances because it was all happening kind of in the midfield. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of saw that with both Nyang and Benedetto, you know, not having a really good game, both being a little bit kind of disconnected from 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 their respective teams.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: um Strutman, he has a tendency to somehow justify his presence in the most desperate situations, doesn't he? I feel like he's this is not the first time, although I can't remember when. Am I making something up here, Mo?
1: I, I, I mean a little bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> he has, he has, he has been useful, but um, he was sort of an unlikely source. Um, yeah. In the season. In, in picking up uh, sort of the, the goal, happened to be in the right place at the right time. It came, I think, with what was his very first touch. He came onto the field uh, just beforehand. But um, at that point, you know, the game was all in, uh, you know, in the second half. Um, and, you know, I thought that, you know, it was going to tide over uh, towards the host at one point uh, before that Paiete free kick. And Truman just had to be, you know, happened to be the right place at the right time. And it was a very difficult finish, um, you know, considering the angle. Um, so, so far, he's justified. Oh, yeah, he's, been, he's been relatively all right uh, for the last couple of weeks, uh, save for that game against Tredi Sack last week. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's been shown up by Kamara, who's, who's you know, whether he likes it or not, is a very, very formidable number six. Um, you know, sitting in front of the defense, he's very, very good. Uh, really nullified the threat that Kamavinga normally poses. Um, and you know, the you know, how Kamavinga plays without fear um, across that midfield, uh, driving through, he nullified that very, very well. Um, and ultimately, you know, these things put together just enabled IOM to pick up a very, very valuable three points.
0: Yeah, a great match from from camera I agree. Uh,
2: Phil, Zach, any, any thoughts on this one? You know. I thought I agree with uh, Mo. I thought it was a very interesting uh, tactical match, given Marseille's great performances under Villalobos and also Ren's good uh, recent form. Um, but I thought w- what one thing that stood out to me was that Marseille. It seemed to me that their blueprint, at least off the ball, which I thought they they ex- executed a very good strategy off the ball, which was you know Kamara in the holding midfield position, and then to have Sanson and Ronja um, in advance midfield positions, I thought that part of that, the, you know, the 4-3-3, was to stop Kamavinga and neutralize him. And they did a decent job of it, especially in the first half. But it's, I thought it was, it was incredible how, despite the, despite the fact that Marseille's game plan centered on stopping Kamavinga, Kamavinga still managed to come alive in the second half, uh, as well as create two very good chances. I think he had one... Mm, he had two great balls over the top. I think one was to uh, Del Castillo. I'm not sure. Maybe one was to Rapina, but... but one was it, to uh,
0: Borijo when he did a... Right, like right. A Bu- by that was glorious. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Um So... You know, th- those are the kind of matches, I think, especially for scouts, where, you know, th- those, those are the matches that really count. I mean, going up against a team that will probably get Champions League football that has set up to nullify your threat. And you, the fact that you don't hide that and you still make yourself uh, a presence, that, that for me is almost as impressive as, you know, the man of the match performances where... Kamavinga completely dominates and mm. runs the game. Uh, you know to be able to make an impact with just a few touches. Uh, you know, very impressive. But yeah, no, great, great work from Marseille. Uh, like I said, I, like Mo commented on earlier, Kamara, the the performance of Kamara, I thought um, helped uh, basically have the center backs have uh, no work whatsoever. They were never really in danger. I think most of Ren's opportunities pretty much came from uh, long shots, but Mandanda was never really threatened. Um, A bit worrying for Marseille in terms of the lack of offensive production, as well as the continued reliance on Payet, but I do think that once uh, Florian Thauvin returns from injury, that burden will be reduced, and it will give uh, Marseille just another uh, weapon in the arsenal. Mm.
0: And the next match from Marseille is Angers, for which uh, <laughs> Payet, Camara and Bouna are all suspended uh, due to uh, accumulating yellow cards. Mo-
1: I'm just going to jump in there. Yeah, yeah um, sure. It, that is, obviously, that is a heavy price that's, that's been paid. Um, and one thing that I'm not happy about, in particular, is it's, it's the referee sort of booking Payet for what can be seen as dissent. Um, obviously he's, he's missed four games since uh, September, four of which all came at the same time following his red card against Montpellier um, mm-hmm. a game that was very turgid and OM sort of had to rely on Payet's creativity and in fact they, they didn't win a game in his absence uh, drawing to Dijon and Rennes showed just how difficult it is already without Tolvan and then without Payet you know, to, to, sort of, to get goals because relying on Rodonio a man who will come in, um, can be can be quite difficult. Um, and again, he was booked for descent. Um, you know, a uh, week uh, descent descent is a
0: bookable offence. I mean,
1: I mean, it was it wasn't some sort of like being in the referee's face. I thought it was very innocuous. Um, but even mm-hmm. beyond that, he was booked against trellisack last week in the cup, um, a fact that was not even. Um, noticed by anybody um, it was not noticed by the TV um, by the broadcasters, not noticed by the fans, not noticed by OM, it was only when it was referenced in the referee's report and then <coughs> disseminated did, did it did it, and it was seen by Thursday, did it become apparent that Payet was on um, two yellow cards and another one would have um, got him into a ban so I, I just find it a bit annoying that that situation has come across um, but, you know, OM had won a very uh, difficult game, and the next game is against Angers at home. Uh, and rather, it would be at home against Angers, again, you know, a team where you know OM can get past. Um, and, you know, you know the, the two games that are following, that are against Bordeaux and saint etienne both away from home, those are very difficult places. So, giving Payet a rest may end up benefiting OM.
2: It is, it is a bit ironic how, I mean, Marseille sold Ocampos without a replacement. They couldn't sign a replacement for Toven because they already signed Ronger past the deadline. And now, probably the player, perhaps the player best equipped to uh, replace Payet's creative impact, uh, Isaac Lihagi, is in a contract dispute and hmm. probably won't play a, another match for Marseille in his life. C'est la vie, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> well then, on to uh, Bordeaux Lyon. Two one win for Lyon. O- almost a draw there because uh, Bordeaux had a had an equalizer for the poor Laurent Cocherny who which was disallowed due to offside, and and that was fair enough. Uh, Zach, it was a terrible start for Lyon in just the first few minutes, but after that they started playing much better in the in the second half, especially.
2: Yeah, um, tad disappointing to see uh Andersen Anderson with another error. Uh, I he was one player that I was calling for Leon to sign a few months before they actually did sign him, but I have to say, for the price tag, he has been he has uh let me down as well as Leon supporters, and uh, with that back pass to Jimmy Briand, you know, he, he really needs to be better. It's not just the mistakes, I mean, he's been. Somewhat weak in the air, hasn't been uh, quick to snuff out certain attacks. So he really needs to improve uh, if Leo and Art to get their money back. But like you said, they they did end up improving, and I thought that this was um, arguably the the best match uh, that Leo and have played under Rudy Garcia. I mean, that midfield three between Kakarit and and Auer and Thiago Mendes, I think that it's just the kind of midfield that can uh, get Leon on the right track. And man, what a, what a performance from Kakaret. Uh You know, mm. probably Garcia probably waited too long to give him, this, give him a start over uh, Toussaint, who for me has been pretty mediocre this season. But I, I really like him as a player. I mean, he's just very fun to watch. He can, you know, progress the ball and just just keep possession. Um, he can, you know, shuttle from box to box and break the lines. He's, he's really, you know, my kind of player. Uh, and almost almost uh, a long-term AOR replacement. Should they, as I said in my piece, should they decide to sell him, uh, but yeah, overall, uh, it was a good performance from Lyon. Of course, especially given the injuries to Memphis, the pie and uh, Jeff and Adelaide a few weeks back. Bordeaux are no slouches. So to mm. come out to come from behind and not only beat them but outperform them, uh, it's a great sign for Rudy Garcia and his players.
0: Uh, Mo, in fairness, Bordeaux then made it didn't make it too difficult to be outperformed there. Don't, I don't know what you thought, but...
1: No, um, I agree with Zach in that. It was probably Lyon's best game under Garcia. And whether, despite Anderson's, obviously, bit of horror, horror show at the beginning, um, they really could have had three or four, uh, especially if you look at Musa Dembele and Maxwell Cornet's efforts. I mm. the one that hit a bar when they were narrowly wide. Um, and for Bordeaux, it's just, you know, like I said, you know there was an illusion in November where you know these teams were hovering around third and fourth, uh, bordeaux Angers uh, Lille you know in particular and, and now they're being shown up uh, Bordeaux are now thirteenth 13th. 13th I mean again mm-hmm. not, not not a million miles away from the top three, uh, but you know, having lost four on the bounce after what was a very promising start it's concerning you know they're relying on uh, briand um, who who yeah got a goal but hasn't been you know, sort of effective. Uh, they've only scored once in the last four games, save for that home win uh, against Limon in the Cup. Um, and I think, I don't know, you know, Preville, um, Juan, Madja, all these other players have not been at their best. And I think Paulo Sousa's running out of options obviously doesn't help that there's there's, there's just, uh, you know, the, the boardroom issues. Yeah. Um, mm. as, for, as for Lyon, um, you know, I'm interested to see the next five games sort of where they go and sort of how they take, uh, because obviously they've won four of the last five games, but they've really also played three games in the cup two Coupe de Lille games and, and uh, a Coupe de France victory, which um probably glosses uh, their form a little bit. Mm. Um, if you look at Anderson, I think you, know, you can draw conclusions for or comparisons rather, uh, to the way Garcia managed to do a Calatasa, uh, also another expensive signing, uh, at defense, a young. Uh, European centre back um, who's having to um, sort of fit into Ligan and to, to, to sort of engage with the style of play in France. And, and what I don't really understand is that, you know, Anderson had looked very strong in Garcia's early days from sort of late October onwards, save for that 2 1 defeat at de Marseille. Um, and then on the bench, barely plays, you know, two bench appearances, didn't play against Strasbourg. You know, it, it's it's not helping. Him chop and change. I think you just need Mm. to show confidence and enable him to continue. In the end, it didn't have any bearing on the results. But you know, Garcia should not need to sort of chop and change, especially with you know Marcelo's future, you know, still up in the air. Um, But like I said, you know, it's they are slowly turning a corner. Um, They're slowly, you know, coming back into contention. Um, It depends, you know. They've got a very tough game at the, uh, at the. They've got a very tough week coming up that will decide their season. In that they're playing uh, Nantes Saturday in the tie of the round in in the cup, and then the semi final of the Coupe de la Ligue against Lille, a fixture where they lost very horrifically um, a couple of weeks ago, um, and then everyone's favourite whipping boys to lose. Um, so if they if, if if they can, if they can sort of see out that period, and given their injury sort of history. If they're able to win those three, and they should obviously beat Toulouse, um, you know, L'Equivre League final appearance, having knocked out a, a tough team in, in the Cup, and then, you know, probably entering the top five, that will be a fantastic start for them um, in 2020. But they've been very, very inconsistent so far. Um, but the prize over the next week or so is right there for the taking. And they get through that. I'll make them favourites to get into the Champions League. It's going so
3: to be are a concerned about um, the lack of transfer activity to uh, not replace. I mean, it, it does seem like they're just waiting for Dupin, Jeff and delay to come back from injury. And uh, basically, fingers crossed that they don't sell everyone, like to Hertha, Berlin.
2: Yeah, although I do think that uh, to start being sold to Hertha could actually benefit them. Um he well, does he, well actually
3: yeah because I agree that KK has actually stepped up and that uh, yeah you, you all seem to be quite happy to say, okay well we've got this this youngster uh, he's you know he's doing okay. If you want to leave, well we've got someone to f- to fill in your shoes.
2: Yeah and and they could need investment in other areas I mean especially if uh, Reale does come back from injury and then you've got Kakaate who uh, has been impressive. You can. I think the number one investment that I would make would probably be a left-back. Uh, Yusuf Kone and Fernando Marsal are definitely struggling in that area, so I would bring in someone, uh, potentially Hassane Kamara, or uh, another mm-hmm. cheap, uh, low-cost left-back who can uh, give an immediate upgrade in that area.
0: Feel uh, I was... Philippe, I was going to ask you, um, Jimmy Briand scored again. I think that's his 96th or 97th Ligue 1 goal, making him the most, uh, uh, the the highest goal scoring French player still in in Ligue 1. Is he the new Peggy Luyne Dula? Wow.
3: Where where do you get those questions? <laughs> it's uh wow well, uh, no i don't say. i think he's a bit uh shall we say maybe has better better lifestyle or healthy healthy diet um i'd say i'd say he's a bit no i say he's a bit better and uh, even though i haven't rated him for quite a few few years you know you do have to respect the guy for being still there doing doing what he does what he does best i mean to me to me it has always been he's always been in a much much better environment at Guingamp as he was he wasn't playing uh, with a midget like Debréville and uh, that he, he can't I mean he, he, he can't really to, to, me, to me he's not in the right team to score those to score those goals but yeah and I mean kudos to him and I do think he's better than Louis Dula.
0: Fair enough Lundula, Dula held that title uh, for some time before PSG could could get rid of him. Of course, that was. Costed ten years ago. Well, I, think, there, I mean, yeah.
3: there was a certain likability about him, and mm-hmm. uh, you know when you when when you're supporting and actually going uh, going to see your your team play and losing, uh, basically week week in week out uh, at home especially, <laughs> and that was the time where Lundula was uh, was was there and. Uh, you know, whenever he scored, it was uh, you know it was he uh, was basically it's one of uh, one of those one of our own. Of um, time, mm. a bit like uh, semi Traoré, was uh, a centre back who was absolutely awful, but you know he, we loved him because he we loved him because he had the he had our jersey on. But, uh, but you know it's
0: uh, a, a bit like Chupo; yeah. he, he gets a loud cheer, doesn't he?
3: Well, not so, yeah, that's not the same. Well, it, it's yeah. it's different, but. That's not the same because because we have yeah. better players than <laughs> our know, At the time of Louis Dula and Chantôme and uh, Traoré and uh, uh, let's say Casagrande, Rabi, Sandratana could go back, you know, back to the eighties. Uh, we just didn't have anyone, so mm. that was basically uh, <laughs> that was basically the, the icing on the cake. Whereas uh, now we've got bit better quality players.
0: Yeah, that was a a, a different era. Right, let's get back to this era and uh, let's go to Dijon-Lille, which was on Sunday, a 1-0 win for Dijon. Uh, Mo, what, what happened?
1: Um, These short answers, really, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but on the, on the face of it, it doesn't really surprise me that Dijon have once again you know, proved to be a very difficult team to be at home. Um, you know, They've always very, very compact. They let the Opposition sort of run at them and then sort of try and sucker punch them through, uh, you know, the big birdie fours that they have through long balls into the box. Um, and, and it's happened again. You know, they've really lost twice all season at home. Um, they've beaten PSG, they've beaten Rennes, they held Marseille. And now Lille have come and gone and they've managed to not only just win, but also... Do so with uh, you know, having 10 men from very, very early on. Mm. Um, and you know, even that Tavares got the goal, deal were very, very poor. Um, in in defense, they also had their own man sent off, uh, Bubakari, uh, Sumare, uh, towards the end, uh, towards the midway point of the second half. But you know, it just goes to show we've spoken about this before how poor deal have been away from home. Um, and it looks like there's you know, say for the the win against the monaco in the cup, and last week um in, in in the French cup um they are unable to do it in in Ligue 1. but they are unable to sort of bring their sort of cohesive play that they very well produce at home um on the road um, and you know Gaultier has tried several options playing with three of the back four um you know shuffling players um around. And yet, it's the same result. One mm-hmm. win, two draws, and seven defeats. Um, and it's that sort of form, and like I briefly mentioned earlier, that, you know, when when we get to 25, 30 games played, or we'll see them out of contention. There's no way that they'll be able, and they are targeting a podium place, make no mistake, uh, as Gerard Lopez has, has revealed over the past week or two. Um, they are targeting the top three. There's, there's no way... Um, that they'll manage that with the waveform that they have.
0: Yeah, Galtier was furious after the man- match, uh, apparently yelling at his players, uh, kind of asking why they always lose against teams made of, uh, in French we say, quiques de peintres, which means painters, literally, but you know, figuratively means, I don't know, like amateurs or, or kind of useless teams. Um, yeah, I he- mean, uh, did,
3: you, did you get that? Because as a Frenchman, I don't really get, uh, I've never really heard of that expression uh, I've heard
0: it before, uh, but I don't know where it comes from. It's yeah, well, it, it's like quoi you know.
3: I mean, it must be a prov- uh, maybe a no offense, a provincial term because uh, I've never really heard of it. Equipe de equipe well, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? No, it's
0: definitely.
3: Does he, does he? I mean, does he imply that they just stand there doing nothing? <laughs> Painting or, or I, I don't know. <laughs> M- or maybe that's what it means. Um, yeah. But yeah, it it seems like a rather clumsy comment. I mean,
0: when I saw that, I was like, "Well, all right." Well, he he apologized in the press conference because he realized that the journalists had heard him yelling through the walls of the dressing room. Um, Uh, So he, you know, he apologized to those teams about that description. But he does seem uh, quite angry at some of his own uh, players. So I'm quite uh, I'm quite surprised that Lille are doing so bad actually because they don't they don't have
3: the excuse of Europe anymore and uh, mm-hmm. they should be I'm not saying that they, they should be beating Dijon and actually Dijon are not as bad as um, you know painters but uh, <laughs> it's uh, I, I I still think that uh, they should be taking at least a point from those type, this type of game.
0: Yeah, uh, let's move on then to. Uh, let's start with the other Sunday match, which was Saint-Étienne nil Nantes uh, 2. I mean, it, it, this was the first time Nantes won in Saint-Étienne for 20 years. But Philippe, does it really count as winning at, at Geoffroy Guichard, which is usually quite an impressive stadium? Does it really count as winning there if no one is there to see it? There was
3: um, a tweet, uh, the, uh, the Magic fans, the so Magic fans is a uh, Saint-Étienne supporters club, Mm. Um, and they basically uh, wrote a message to the league who uh, brilliantly decided to have uh, this game and another one. I think it's the next home game for saint Tien behind closed doors and uh, maybe a third one, but I'm not sure how that works. Um, and uh, they, it was basically about the flares, obviously against PSG, a massive defeat, for falling mm-hmm. home defeat, but uh, they have something like a firework. I mean, it was very impressive. If you if you haven't watched um, it, was extremely impressive. But you just knew that they were they were basically asking asking for trouble, and uh, they defend themselves by saying, "Okay, look, we uh, flares are forbidden in France um, since 1993, and we 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 uh, we use them, we put them, we hide them." To get into the ground, and to be honest, mm. it's really not that hard to. I mean, if the stewards did their job properly, the, the flares wouldn't go into the stadium anyway, but you know, whatever. Mm. Um, and uh, their big complaint to the league is that uh, the league is using this uh, ultra mentality so the flares, the drums, the capo, and everything to make Liga more attractive to um, uh, basically everyone.
0: By using so, it in yeah. in advertisements and promotional yeah. venues and all that, yeah.
3: yeah, even though it's forbidden. So that's uh, that's uh, that's you know that's uh, that's uh, what they're basing their defense on. Um, I, I think both both sides of the both sides are to blame. Uh, the Magic fans knew that having such massive pyrotechnics uh, at a game uh, on on national television was going to uh, get them in trouble. And that uh, the ultras do not do not think about the Saint-Étienne uh, fans that are not ultras. I mean, just because you go to Zutaf Guichard doesn't make you an ultra. Uh, you like to go with your with your kids, with your with your family, with you know with your friends, and not necessarily uh, um, bring bring flares into into the ground So it's a bit selfish from their part. And the LFP yeah. are just doing what they do, which is basically saying uh, we're going to punish you, it, even though it's not working. So what we had was a game behind closed doors where we heard the players uh, uh, you know basically play football and not one 2 nil, and it was it was a, a shit to, uh, to watch yeah no, I'm not, not really worth about watching the football. I'm, I'm not even talking about the football I'm talking about the whole you know about uh, an empty ground and that, one, of the, one of the biggest grounds in, in France and having no one in it
0: yeah
3: absolutely as a, as a fan that's pretty Pretty rough to to watch, shall we say?
0: Right. Uh, let's go on then to Toulouse, two, Brest five. Uh, now, Zach, I'm I'm gonna ask you about this one because uh, I've been we've talked so much about Toulouse with the other guys so far this season, and I really didn't want to talk about them again today. Uh, this was their eleventh loss in row, and what a loss, conceding five, even though they were winning until the 70th minute. Did you have any any thoughts you wanted to share on that game? And then my more specific question is really, what was your favorite goal? Because there were some pretty good ones in there.
2: Yeah, I think that Toulouse. um, It's sad to see uh, what's what's gone, what's what's happened with them this season. Because I did have not high expectations, but I thought they could at least finish uh, mid table. Um, But it's it's really I think that they have to be considered one of the favorites to go down. If I had to pick right now, it would probably be Toulouse, uh, Nîmes, and probably Mets. Um, hmm. But, yeah, no, it, it's just sad to see, especially given how uh, promising Sangare and Amian and the others were last season. Um, favorite goal was probably cardona's even in cardona's at the end but yeah like i said um it's it's just disappointing because they really had so much more and i can't see anything but relegation to league two
0: interesting choice that would have been my third favorite from that one yeah. interesting. <laughs> um, um can i can i just jump i in have really bad say, taste absolutely goals so <laughs> yeah.
1: can i because if it was a very weird game um in that Toulouse weren't actually too bad in the first half. Um, and, you know, relying on Diakite to, to come up, the young uh, local lad, the, uh, defender, scored two goals mm. um, from sort of set pieces. Um, but if you look to the first goal and just how uh, Johan Koch um, sort of jumped the defence, one thing I found really interesting was the massive gap that he had to run through. And then the left back, uh, I think it was Silla, stopped, just stopped running. And it was Diakite before, you know, Cork had actually even gone one-on-one, looking at him with his hands raised, saying, what the hell? Um, you're supposed <laughs> to run. And then when the goal had gone in, looked at him again saying, you know, that's on you. That really is on you. Like, there's no way, um, you know, just the body language and the expression of Akite being sort of the only player, rallying, um, to you know, scoring uh, both yeah. times and, and being very active. They were absolutely hopeless. I mean... Players were losing the ball in midfield without any challenges. If you look at the last goal, Cardona's goal, Charbonnier uh, retrieved the ball without even sort of breaking, without even so sticking his leg out. Uh, the player had run into him. And then with one sort of defence pass, had, um, had, had, had got through Cardona, to, um, uh, who, who scored the fifth. And it came obviously within what, 13 minutes, those last four goals. Um, and considering they've sacked the manager they've made the change, they had a press conference last week to clear the air, you know, and yet this still happened, I really think there's no hope for them, it really is maybe, you know, barring a miracle we might have to sort of look, because the are starting to look decent um, you know, they picked up a win recently um, mm. you, you, you never know, obviously I don't want to make any sort of grand predictions at the moment, but they are moving to the point where it's really just now a matter of how many points can they get um, and sort of restructuring the club towards towards Ligue 2. Uh,
2: you know, I just, I just wanted to ask uh, Mo and the rest of the panel, uh, because I was in France this past summer, and I watched Diakite uh, during the Toulon tournament. He impressed mm. me quite a bit. What, what move, assuming that Toulouse do go down, what move do you think would be best for him? Do you think he'd be best uh, staying in France and Absolutely. perhaps moving to one or do you think better... Uh, going abroad
1: I think he would definitely do a job I mean there are a lot of def- there's a lot of uh, sort of league teams who rely on you know aging aging defenders and I think he'll definitely do a job uh, for a mid-table side if Toulouse do go down and they'd be able to get him uh, relatively cheap I'm not really a fan of uh, sort of raw players or unfinished players jumping ships um, you know after maybe one one decent season I'd like to see them Complete one or two full seasons uh, before they uh, apply their trade elsewhere because there is a very high turnover where uh, not just defenders but also midfielders and attackers who leave France or abroad are unable to hack it and then come back and leave the loan deals or 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 um, or, or transfers having stunted their progression. Mm. Um, you know, Liga, Liga right. is a very great breeding ground, as you mentioned earlier <clears throat> in the podcast. I'd rather see them. Really utilize that to the max, and and leave when the timing is right. But obviously, you know, sense falls to the wayside when there's money involved. I suppose, but um, I'd like to see him stay and uh, and perhaps move up the table first.
3: Jackie, good, good way, I mean, it, it would be such a shame to 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 have that guy playing league two. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I I would think. I think Liga, uh, Liga, uh, a league a side would uh, would take mm. would take the chance on him. Uh, but uh, I can't see him necessarily struggling in in a championship side or something like that. I think I think he'll I think he'll uh, he'll, do way, he'll do well he'll do well. So either way,
0: mm. I mean, they could make good money off of him if if they get relegated or even if they don't. Uh, it seems like um, just going back to my favorite goals, I would say. My second favorite was Charbonnier's volley, which was a kind of lovely, full body swiveling heavily into the ball um, and then putting it precisely in the top corner. It, it was quite satisfying, but not still not as good as the long shot by Hyangan gam bok who the shot went so high and then somehow came yeah. back, came back down. And he, by the way, is the brother of French women international gris bok So what a family they have there. It was only his second league 2 match, I think. And he scores that as a centre back. So, yeah, not, not bad at all. Um, right, let's follow then and quickly go through some of the other Liga matches. Uh, Nîmes, as we said, won again 2 0 against Reims. Uh, Ripa scored on a goal line scramble, which was kind of uh, uncharacteristically scrappy from, from Reims' defense. Also, left Rykovich with an, an, an enormous bump on his head. Um, after some kind of clash. Uh, it, it really looked terrible, but he kept on playing. Uh, Romeo got a red card, and then Yassine Benraoult, on loan from Bordeaux, who just signed for Nîmes, scored the second goal on his debut, a direct free kick. Uh, so that was uh, good news for Nîmes, I guess, that they that they signed someone with such an immediate impact. Uh, Reims played Amiens on Wednesday in that postponed match. Amiens lost at home to Montpellier, Dibassi opened the scoring, but it, Laborde equalized on a Savanier free kick. And then Laborde crossed. Uh, oh, this goal was beautiful, better than Charbonnier's volley, I thought. Andy Delors' volley from, from Gaëtan Laborde's cross. It, it was all so swift and, and, and so... Oh, the timing was just perfect. It looked beautiful. Montpellier's first away win of the season there. Angers won, Nice won. Another nice goal there with Sadatoub. Great team goal with some one-twos. Uh, his first for Angers, and then Cyprien equalized on a very well-taken penalty. The bad news there is that Ryan Aitnouri was subbed off with a double fracture to the the jaw, um, which uh, will keep him out for some time, uh, which is uh, quite unlucky, obviously, for the 18-year-old who who has been the object of uh, many transfer rumors recently. And finally... Mess one Strasbourg nil, a derby in the East. Uh, first win in nine for Mess, with John Boy the score there. In league 2, Lorient just beat Caen 2 1, so they stayed top. Uh, Clermont also beat third place 3 3 2, with a hat trick from Austrian player Adrian Gerbich. Uh, two of which were direct free kicks. Um, so, interesting guy there. It's his 14th goal of the season. Um, thanks to that hat-trick. A first win since October 5th for Auxerre against Le Mans, putting some space between themselves and relegation. And Paris drew 1-1 with Sochaux for René Girard's first match in charge. Philippe, I forgot to ask, I meant to ask you this last week, but I forgot. What do you think of of Paris FC appointing René Girard as as the new manager? Um,
3: Zibedic had to leave. Um, I went to a couple of games at home. Both three 0 defeats, uh, lost to get, lost at home to Gengong three 0 uh, but uh, Gangon were by far the better side, and mm. they, they are they're not bad side, they, They're going to finish mid table. Um, um, and then there was that game uh, at home to Le Mans. Le Mans who are struggling too, who uh, have just been promoted. They haven't started very well. So they've lost a few games. They do a few games. They won few. And uh, they also won at Charlie T Sweet That was um, just before just before Christmas Christmas period. And the fans were basically singing Une équipe pour Noël. Uh, basically, they wanted a, a, a <laughs> uh, They wanted the club to buy players for Christmas. And that's all they that's all they wanted. But there were a lot of chants like that. They they basically said that uh, uh, the share, the shareholders had to go, the the manager had to go, the players had to go, the um, and, uh, I, m- I mentioned, I mentioned the chairman. So it's, it was one of those. Uh, everybody else, even even the tea lady. So now, wow. <laughs> show. and Eduardo uh, is good to take. I'll, I'll probably have more, you know, information um, uh, uh, next week. I'm going to uh, Paris FC versus um, Saint Etienne. Ooh, that's which, a good one. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping there'll be there'll be fans there. And um, and, and like the Red Star game, it hasn't been uh, you know, the fiction hasn't been reversed to, to the south to the south curves. But um, yeah, I mean so social sure, art haven't been doing that well either, so it's only a draw, but still it's still mm. something. My my understanding would be that uh, in if you look at the League 2 table, all they are gonna finish bottom. Uh, New York are very bad. I mean they're seriously not very good. Paris FC, not much better, but I would say maybe a bit better, and that uh, the aim is to finish in that playoff spot and uh, hopefully get, uh, uh, hopefully win against whoever finished third in, in National. And it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be Red Star, actually, and Red Star are doing very, very well.
0: Right, and I'm if sure you... See... D- Sorry, yeah, I'm just yeah. gonna sum- finish up the summaries here. If you didn't have enough Coupe de France last week, there was more this week, Uh, With the women's round of 32, the biggest tie was Paris FC against Bordeaux, which Bordeaux won on penalties after a 1-1 draw. Uh, There was also an Olympico between Marseille and Lyon. Astonishingly, Marseille scored first, but uh, went on to concede nine. PSG also won 9-0 against Mazer, so both of the big clubs are through. But the biggest win was for Dijon, 12-0 against Vessoul. Right. Um, Coupe de France in, in the men's Coupe de France is back next week, as you said, Philippe there. And I don't know if you guys saw, but the first game is on Thursday. There's going to be matches on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So talk about stretching it out, huh? That's uh, going to be a a long weekend of football. And let's move on to the transfer stories now. Um, Zach announced last night was that Jean-Claire Todibo, formerly of Toulouse, has been loaned, loaned by Barcelona to Schalke until the end of the season. What do you think of, of that one?
2: Well, I'm not quite sure if uh, there is an option to buy included. Uh, Alfredo Martínez, one of the most reliable transfer reporters, did include that Schalke have an option. Um, so m- really my opinion on the transfer, uh, transfer for Barcelona standpoint Depends on that, uh, you know, as a Barcelona fan, I was very excited for Tadebo when he did uh, arrive. I think that while he hasn't played enough, he has impressed whenever uh, whenever he has been given that opportunity, especially against uh, Inter during the final Champions League match. So if there isn't if if there isn't an option to buy. Uh, then I think that's a good move for all parties. Schalke do need a center back, and Todibo really does need vital, mil- vital uh, first-team minutes for his development. Uh, if there is, however, an, a buy option include, then I have to feel that that's a poor uh, piece of business for Barcelona. I mean, especially with Umtiti seemingly on his last legs, uh, PK close to retirement, and Longlet still uh being a hot and cold player i mean i've seen to do play both for um club and country and i really think he has what it takes to eventually become a starter for barcelona so if they do allow schalke to buy him on the cheap then i have to say that's that's a poor piece of business
0: and um next story is about bubakay samaré uh there's been a lot of rumors about various big clubs coming in for him but then I think the latest was that he probably would be staying in Lille I don't know if anybody um, saw the update on this
1: well the um, idea I think was for him to stay hmm. um, until the end of the year um, at the earliest but personally um, well, it was quite difficult for maybe for, for to find given the price tag that Lille would want to get for him um, and also even more personally I think I, I really don't see the hype um, <laughs> about hmm. Sumare. Uh, I think he's, got, he's very talented. I think he lacks a bit of discipline, as we saw um, hmm. at the weekend. Uh, but like I said, it just goes to my point uh, with Akita a couple of minutes ago. Is that I'd like to see him sort of really develop into a linchpin of that little midfield um, and sort of avoid, and I guess it's not really easy with the business model that some clubs operate uh, with this uh, you know, play in, you know, in the shop window from the get-go, and then sell him off to the highest bidder, without any sort of thought for 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 his development. Um, and for 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 him to go to Manchester United, which has also been a big link, um, with uh, reportedly scouts watching him at the weekend against Dijon, um, is a is a really a throw into the deep end uh, for a player who, like Nicola Pepe, who went to Arsenal, has really only developed uh, into a first-team player for nearly in the last nine months um, as, a, as a sort of a, a formidable starter. Mm. Um, and that's not enough to be thrown into a very volatile squad that needs a big overhaul um, as my United, um, especially um, given the demanding sort of nature of that club, I find it a bit surprising um, for my United to even consider spending so much money for 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 somebody that really is only another addition to the midfield. I think Samara, Samara needs to show, show more of himself uh, first, so the longer he stays in the league, 1, the better um, especially as long as he keeps performing and developing because really I've only seen, I mean I've seen flashes of his potential but I've really i thought he, he played well in the Champions League uh, but over the last couple of weeks um, his performance hasn't really been sort of top tier, if you remember his, his uh, game against uh, Chelsea very, very formidable in that midfield. Very, very good in what was a very high tier uh, encounter. Uh, but that sort of level has faded to, uh, in the last couple of weeks. So I'm hoping to see more before there's ever really any talk of a transfer. All right. I would. Um, I
4: would
1: rather. I
2: would. Yeah. I would just add. I would. I would rather see Sumaya go to North London than Manchester uh, because I think he'd benefit Arsenal or Tottenham a lot more than united at this point uh also for any young talent i mean throwing throwing them to united right now is a bit like throwing your child into the deep end of the pool you know there's there's a good chance it'll sink instead of swim so i i personally think he's got a lot of potential and but if if he were to leave at the end of the season and i hope that he does wait until the end of the season to leave uh i would prefer him to go to arsenal or tottenham than manchester united
0: um, I'll rule out Tottenham for you there as well. Arsenal will take him, and he doesn't have to worry about the rest. <laughs> uh, another open question here: Why does uh, Slimani want to leave Monaco? I mean, he's been playing so well. He scored obviously the equalizer last night against PSG.
2: That's a great question. I mean, he's had the he's playing the best for, form of his career since his Sporting days. Um, but you know, I'm I'm not sure about the veracity of that. I know it's Keep, but i can't help but think it's you know maybe just his agent trying to make sure that he's you know a starter for under moreno you know he didn't start last Mm -hmm. night so i feel like it's it's more kind of that sending a message than it is actually trying to push a move away
1: i mean exactly i mean i agree with you to some some degree uh zach because you know he's he's had a great start i mean he it was his fault that he got a red card suspension. There was talk that he wasn't happy with his playing time. Uh, especially, he was a bit disgruntled that he missed out. It uh, was a substitute last night, but also missed out uh, on that 5-1 victory. Um, and then, you know, only played an hour um, against Lille in the Coupe de la Ligue. Got defeat, but also didn't even play in the French Cup uh, against them. Uh, and he's thinking, you know, I've, I've been really, really productive. Why am I not getting, why am I not the undisputed striker? Uh, the fact is, you know, be- uh, ben has obviously, you know, scored more and had you know, made more of an effect. Um and really, you know, I, I I find it, you know, he's doing so well already. He's far more productive this season than he was last year or the year before. Mm. Um, there really isn't no need um sort of to be disgruntled just because, you know, the coach has decided um you know, to to go for on a, for a different shape. There's a, there's still 20 games to go, uh, roughly um, uh, for Monaco. You know, Soleimani will be called upon, and then he'll make a decision, decision for the next move uh, to consider going to Aston Villa, where Monaco can, uh, you know, have a proper shot at Europe. It's very very strange to me.
0: And let's finish up very quickly with some final Twitter questions, Philippe. I think we've had this one before, actually, but so maybe just in, in a word or two, he and anti error underscore fi asked us, How important or not is Icardi really for PSG and will he stay? I think you will. Uh, I think, uh,
3: not. not quite sure uh, where, where we all stood on, on Cavalli to Atletico, Atletico Madrid. I actually thought it was a done deal. I'm not sure if it fell through, but I don't see us. Um, giving him a contract extension, and uh, that where uh, Icardi will take the reins from him. And actually, why not the number nine? But to me, to me, to me, uh, Icardi is is lethal. He, you, you can't really, uh, you, you can't really uh, blame him for uh, not, uh, not, t- not touching, not touching the ball, not being mm-hmm. very present in from open play. If he scores a goal, uh, he didn't last night, so he got a bit flat. Uh, but uh, had he scored, had he had a chance, uh, and scored, say in the 94th minute, 95th minute, you know, everything is forgiven. He's that type of player. He's, he's not. It's not the same thing as, as Cavani. But uh, I think uh, the general feeling around the, the ground and the uh, the ultras, the fans, is that um, uh, we're bit, we're really. Uh, Appreciating the rare moments we are seeing of Cavani in the flesh, and that I think everybody is really preparing themselves to say goodbye uh, to 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 him in May. Of that, I have. I mean, I have little doubt, and I'm I'm pretty yeah. sure he knows that. I'm pretty sure everybody knows that that uh, Cavani he's he's the best scorer of the club, and uh, he and that uh, yeah, it's time to it's time to move on for the club and for himself.
0: Fi Genesis asks, "How good could Ryan Cherky be? Have we seen a prospect like him before? Any thoughts there?"
2: Well, just to add to the last part, I do think that uh, Icardi um, for seventy million. You know, it's it's obviously a hefty price, but I think it's actually good value for PSG. They need someone who can, who's just a natural poacher. Um, You know, I've I've kind of I've always maintained that. Icardi is sort of the worst, best striker, you know. He's obviously such a proven finisher, but he is limited. Um, But with all that being said, I mean, he's already burned his bridges at Inter, and he's producing at PSG. So I sort of think that, the you know, for 70 million, it's a good deal for all parties. Exactly. I mean, where's he going to go? Yeah. I mean, mean, potentially Juventus. Yeah, that's what what I was thinking. But Sari does love, uh, of course, Iguain. So, you know, I, I honestly think that uh, Icardi... You know, the grass isn't always greener. And he should just stay at PSG for the long term. I mean, he has the potential to live in one of the best cities in the world and uh, play regularly, make a fat uh, salary, and uh, score pretty much every single game. So if I was Icardi... I my mindset would just be on PSG and nowhere else. He, he reminds me.
3: He reminds me so much of Inzaghi in that uh, right. he's, he's, he's one of those rare type of players who would score a goal that we just do not deserve, and, <laughs> right. he, and that just has not happened in the Champions League for a while. And I just I can just picture him. You know, maybe us just needing a goal to go through, and that Ikali would mm. produce something out of thin air, and it would be completely undeserved. People would hate. Even more than their haters now, but uh, <laughs> I can see I can actually see it happening. So I he mind really is.
2: He really is like the worst of the best center forwards in many yeah. ways. I think. Yeah. Oh, but moving back to Cherokee, I mean, I think uh, he's similar to a lot of players who have, uh, of course, come out of Lyon's academy. I think Iowar is obviously an immediate comparison. He's just really uh such, an, uh, such an, an exciting playmaker who can, you know, change direction, uh, break the lines. And, of course, at, at 16 years old, we, we've seen just the tip of the iceberg yet. But, uh, you know, fans, they always want to see their teenagers, you know, start the big matches and, you know, not have any, um, not have to wait to, to get it, especially when the competition is uh, t- are two frustrating pr- players in Cornet and Triore. but I actually do like Garcia's management of uh, Cherky. You know, he's gradually moving him in to the first team, you know, giving him opportunities off the bench. You don't want to just immediately push him into the first team. you got to make him work for it. So, I do... I, th- I think that you have to commend his, uh, his management of Cherky and you know, overall, he's he's got to be one of the most exciting 16-year-olds in France.
0: Um, yeah, and that's all from us today. Thank you, Zach, for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me on. I uh, hope to be back again soon.
0: Hope to have you back on at some point. Thanks, Mo.
2: Thank you.
0: And thanks, Philippe. Thank you very much. As always, for the latest French football news, you can follow at GFFN on Twitter, or look at getfootballnewsfrance.com We'll be back next week after the uh, next round of Coupe de France. Thanks for listening.